You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. And let's get into today's episode. Really exciting episode for you today, but before we do, we have some um, housekeeping rules. I don't know if you've seen, but me and Thurman Lynch have committed to, well, we set a goal to raise $10,000 for Children's Heart Foundation, CHF. Uh, link will be in the description. We're currently at $3,000, and yeah, there's a link in the description. I think the goal, if we can raise $100 an episode, maybe we'll easily get this. So, and then I believe cancer research is going to match our 10000 Everything's in the description. Raise some money. Don't go buy a Starbucks. Put that money towards, I mean, kids' cancer. Come on. All right, enough of that. My guest today is Shelley Zumwalt, uh, who is the executive director of the Oklahoma Department of Tourism and Recreation, which I feel like I could probably have that title for my social media. But Absolutely. I don't deal with all the stress and travel that you do. <laughs> I just sit at home and thumb at my, at my phone uh, and record podcast with awesome people. So thank you so much for coming down. I know you're super busy and really, really appreciate you taking some time uh, to do this before you head out of town for a little bit. So it means a lot. I know you're super busy that you're thrown in the deep end and you've, like we've just been talking, you've been traveling all over the state recently. Uh, so before we dive into, you know, your backstory, your Oklahoma story, tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, what you've been up to this. Uh, I mean, we're, we're almost, what are we, you know, first, second week in February, what have you been up to this first six weeks of the year? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just took the job at the beginning of October, actually October okay. 12th. Everyone knows those dates, you know, and you're almost like ground yourself with them. So I'm almost exactly at four months. Um, and this year has been super busy. Um, you know, busy is such a relative term now. I think everybody's super busy. Um, it's just like when it, your busy changes, um, it kind of jars you for a little bit. So I felt a bit like um, I each moment 
I have to plan a little bit ahead um, just to make sure I'm in the you know right place at right time and like prepared. But it's been fun because getting to re-engage with a lot of things that are Oklahoma because of my job. I've learned so much and met a lot of really exciting people. You mentioned I had traveled all over the place. Um, we did open houses, a series of open houses for our RFI, which is a request for information to get new vendors into the restaurants that are at six of our state park locations. And that's a lot of words that basically mean I get I got to travel to a lot of places that I hadn't visited in a long time. And we were in all four corners of the state. And, um, you know, I was driving in rural roads at night when it was raining and, you know, testing my ability to stay calm in that situation. <laughs> but it's the best tired because, you know, you're reengaging with a lot of things that give you that nostalgic feeling. And then meeting people that are really dedicated to Oklahoma in a way that um, is admirable, but also like energizes you. Yeah. So it, my, my first couple of weeks have been exciting and exhausting, but um, I mentioned earlier, I'm the state director of fun, essentially. Um, so no one wants to hear about, you know, the, the tired and it's like you, you have the best job. And right. I agree. I really do. Um, I have a really amazing job that get, lets me promote a state that I've lived in my whole life. And like, I don't know anyone that wouldn't say, yeah, I take that job. That's great. Yeah. You pretty much get to go to a different town every week, right? I mean, some weeks are different than others, but yeah, I mean, it, or multiple. Um, yeah. And it's just, it, it's one of those things where when you get there, you have an idea kind of going into it. And it's always surprising the people you meet or how the town works or, you know, learning about a festival they had that you didn't even know about. So yeah. it's just, you mentioned my title in the tourism recreation department. Um, the department part, I think, is misleading because everyone's super surprised when I say we have over 700 employees. Yeah. But we also have, you know, over 30 state parks. So there's there's these all these little ecosystems that exist in there. And, um, you know, not only is it a challenge to visit all those, but to understand, you know, what what I can do to help them, what are challenges. Um, it's it's learning about things you know about, but le learning about them in a really um, fast paced environment. And it's something that people really care about. So you have to you know, you have to take the time to make sure you're listening in a way that um, is can give you give you the perspective, yeah. you know, to take action. The other thing that comes to mind is just how many different, like, probably different foods you've tried by traveling, <laughs> right? Because, like, every town has, like, this signature burger place, uh -huh. right? Or an onion burger or, you know, like an ice cream shop or, like... That must be a great perk as well. It's like, yeah. you know, because all the places, like, we, we, you know, you see these lists, top 10 burgers in Oklahoma, and you're like, two of them are maybe within 20 minutes of where I live, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're all over the state. Yeah. And, you know, other than traveling there for work, you're probably never going to go that route, you know? So mm -hmm. that could be, I love food. So I do too. And actually, like, I feel like I'm going to fail you with my answer to that, but um, that we've been going, we've had the open houses like at six o'clock. So mm. a lot of times, and then I'm engaging in those open houses with people that are these, um, you know, business owners either in that town or in the state. And then, you know, it's, I'm, I'm permanently hungry in those things, but by the time we leave, like nothing, you know, so I've got a list, um, of like Italian places and chicken shacks and, you know, the getting to meet all these business owners that are interested in making, that successful, if, if, whether it's one restaurant or all six of them, and hearing like their backstory, and it's really one of those things that 
I feel like, you know, it's a great thing to do anyway, but getting that piece of it and like knowing why they care about it has been the best part of the experience because you get to really understand people and like it, everyone talks about food. So it's the best topic. Right. And if they, they obviously love food, they've been, they're doing it for, you know, a profession, yeah. but, um, it, I do have a lot of uh, a hit, like a, a greatest hits list that I've got to go through. I'm a big ice cream fan. So okay. secretly, I haven't told anyone this, but you know, you always motivate yourself different ways. And because we're leaving so late, I just told myself I could have ice cream for dinner. Um, <laughs> so I'm totally had, justified. Uh, totally. Yeah. And so my staff, like when they were driving with me, they're like, what are we doing? I was like, I'm buying you ice cream. That's what we're having, you know? Yeah. And of course I would have allowed them to have other things, but they were like, this is great. This is a tradition. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. So if yeah. you ride with me, you get to have ice cream for dinner. Now, now it's a tradition. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Uh, yeah. Like the, the beauty of it, right. Is like you said, you are, you know, the, you basically travel, you're bringing people or, you know, trying to bring people to the state. And that's the one thing I think since I've been here and I've been here 11 years now that, you know, there was talk of before I came here, you know, we're a flyover state, all that stuff. And then the basketball team came, which helps and all the other things. But now, like people see Oklahoma as a place to go for the weekend, and there's so many things to do. Mm -hmm. I know, like everyone talks about Broken Bow, but that's not the only place in mm -hmm. Oklahoma that people can go to. Yes, people in Dallas probably go up there, and the cabin prices, if you want to buy one, are ridiculous. It's great for the local community, I'm sure. You know, they're about to become a town or a city or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But there is not. There's plenty of other places. Oh my you know? gosh! And yeah. so many places that have great you know not just great food but great attractions 30 yeah. state parks you know there's so many and you know i've talked about this many times on the podcast is the fact that we have so many different ecosystems i don't like to fish but fishing here is great amazing i play golf golf also is epic here um there's so much to do here so yeah i mean i can't imagine that i'm sure there are days like every other day like everybody's job there are days you think today's a tough day but the majority of your work probably really puts a smile on your face because every day's different. 100%. Like, that's the piece of it that is super exciting because, like you said, we have 11 different ecosystems. And I think it's interesting. Oklahoma, I haven't quite figured out, like, if there's a phrase or, you know, a word to describe this. But it's interesting because I feel like Oklahoma almost feels, and the people here feel like, almost apologetic about the state in some ways. And then because of that, we have all these people from coming from either other states or internationally that are, you know, a lot, they are mystified by Route 66 or, you know, some of our state parks or all these different things, the pioneer woman, you know, yeah. uh, Reba McIntyre's new, there's, a, there's just like, I could, I could literally, in the true sense of the word, literally go on for hours about all the great things, but it's almost like our biggest challenge is making people who live in Oklahoma tourists in their own state, because there's this perception that, um, I have to go somewhere out of state to really get something cool. And so that's been something that I've been really cognizant of is, you know, Robert's Cave, when I went down there, I hadn't been down there since I was a kid and like getting to see the restaurant on the water, the cabins, like it's truly breathtakingly beautiful. And it's in Wilburton, Oklahoma that, um, you know, you have to drive through all these, but like you're truly almost off the grid in a way that I think we live here and you can go 15 minutes and see the stars, but people that don't have that, like that is super unique that you can 
live in Oklahoma City and drive, which is in a couple of hours and, you know, be off the grid in a way that's very, very hard in smaller states with, you know, more dense, densely packed cities. And so it's almost like re reimagining how you present the state to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're talking about a lot of the things, the comparisons are, you know, pre and post pandemic right now. Um, I think the next 10 years for Oklahoma are going to be so fundamental in how we progress and the opportunity there is just really limitless because people reevaluated what they value in life. The pandemic was a lot of things, but you know, what I think it gave people a break to say, how do I want to organize my life and what are the things that I'm going to bump up on the priority list that I didn't realize I needed. And like Oklahoma is perfectly positioned for that. And um, how do we show people that that way they'll travel here and create tourism, but also so they'll, you know, like you say, this is a place that I can call my home because it really does have what I want. And um, it's a huge challenge, but it's, it's challenge, but it's a great honor to be the person that gets to say and talk about that for your job because I tell my staff, you know, we are the people that actually provide the respite for everyone else. Our job, our work is the break for other people from work. Like, you know, we are the people that they look forward to, Uh you know, and like what, how neat is that? That like what we provide is something that they will associate with relaxation and adventure and, you know, everything that people think um, this is what I need more of in my life. And I'm the person that gets to talk about that and figure out ways to give them more of that in their life. Um, so it's, I, I'm never, ever going to complain about my job to people because like, there's not, there's challenges, but there's not something that I can say, oh man, that's not cool. Like yeah. I get to do something very cool every single day. Yeah, yeah. Did you travel much as a kid? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a family in France, um, okay. actually, and um, I have a monk, an uncle who's a monk, and we call him, you know where this is going, he's my monkle. Um <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and my parents are really big travelers. My uh, grandfather worked for American Airlines. And so my mom, uh, Polish family, uh, ca- very Catholic, and, um, you know, they had standby passes. And so they traveled all over. So my mom really instilled in us, like, this value of travel. And so we never drove nice cars when I was a kid. I was the one that was, like, dropped me off two blocks from school because we had this, like, van that was from 1970-something. Um, and it was very very embarrassing, but I got to go to Europe as a very small child, multiple, you know, like, because that's where we saved our money to do that. And I saw my mom also like, you know, carting around small children in Europe and feeling like amazingly confident. And like that really instills in you something like this is for me because like, that's what you want people to, this is for me. I belong to a, to the group of people that can, Mm -hmm. you know, navigate this. And it's, it's something that's an option for me and that I see. And so I travel is like, that's my favorite thing. I love planning it and figuring out cool places to go. And, um, I feel really lucky because it's not something that is feasible for everyone, but how can I do that? That where no matter where you live in Oklahoma and no matter your economic situation, there's something that gives you that sense, uh-huh. you know, of escape that isn't, that's um, available to you. Yeah. And I, we absolutely have it. Yeah. I, I totally agree. We're there's so I've just been like, it was, you were talking, I was writing down like a bunch of different things that we have in this state that brings people in, you know, brings people in from out of state, but also stuff that we can do here. Obviously you've got Turner Falls. And if you like the side by side kind of ATV thing, that's huge down there. Yeah. Talking about side by sides and ATVs, you have little Sahara, which is 
massive. Oh my gosh. Huge draw for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, we had an Ironman in Tulsa, Mm -hmm. like, and then the other one I wrote, which I'll be, I'm, I'll be doing, I run once a year, uh, (laughs) one, I race once a year. Other than that, I'm done first year and that'll be the mid South in Stillwater. Yeah. And that's a huge cycling gravel race. People come from all around the world. It's not just, you know, come in to watch the basketball game or come to watch Sooner football or, or Stillwater or whoever, whatever it is. It's, there's so many things and tech is huge here as well. Like it, the list goes on and on and I'm not surprised you could talk about it for hours, but I love that you traveled as a kid because yeah. like that sets, you know, and, and for me, cause I've traveled here and traveled a little bit when I played golf, when people ask me, you know, what should I do when I like graduate? I'm like, take a year off, mm-hmm. you know, get a plane ticket somewhere and figure it out. Yeah. Cause like you're never going to get that opportunity if you go straight into work. Mm-mm. It's very, you not say you never, but you know, and you just broadens your horizons, right? 100. Like, My parents are actually in Israel right now, you know, and like yeah. they, they really plan their life. They're both retired around these amazing trips, right. you know? And so to have that model, I feel very lucky, but you, you actually, you know, we just met this morning, but you just segued really nicely into what I was when one of my notes, which was adventure tourism. So I, I would say that, um, thank you for that. And also like people don't realize we're a huge destination for that, but there's still a lot of opportunity. I think they think, you know, Utah and Colorado, but like the, the amount of, um, opportunity that adventure tourism um, provides for our state is probably, it is in the top five. I'm just not sure where the ranking is and, you know, in economic impact. And one of my dreams is to do an adventure race through multiple parks where, and um, I'm saying this out loud because therefore I'm going to be held to it. Accountable. Uh Uh-huh. Totally. Um, But like it's over multiple weekends and it's a different thing. Like it's a running, biking, um, ATVs, you know, rock climbing, because you can, our state is so unique in that you can literally do that and not have to travel hours in between and it's affordable. And so how do we bring in and like really showcase that for our state? Cause there's people in state and out of state that would absolutely do that. And it's not a, it's a, it's a huge lift in that you want to do it right, but it's not a huge lift in that like the mechanics of it are um, an obstacle. Like right. there's, I can think of three parks off the top of my head that that would be very doable. Right. Um, and it's just exciting because I know some of this from living in Oklahoma, but like you said, every day is new, but in every day I'm learning about something really amazing in our state that I didn't know about. Um, so it, it is one of those, you know, no one wants to hear you complain about being the director of fun for the state, but also like, I don't have, you know, I'm not going to complain about it because it's an exciting thing that I get to say, Oh my gosh, we do that, you know, every single day. So, so growing up then when you're traveling with family and, and, you know, you, you kind of looking back at family history and you mentioned Polish descent, you have a, you have a uncle mm-hmm. there. It's real now. I said it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. It's been accepted. Um, what, what's like, what's your dream at that point? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? So I went to school for broadcast journalism okay. um, and I was lucky in that I grew up in Norman and we okay. had a program in high school. It was called the school channel and I auditioned to be on it. And so from like ninth grade on, I was like hosting a show on TV, um, all through high school. Um, and so that was really my dream. Katie Couric was big when I was a kid. And, um, so I, I don't remember, Oh, you know what? I'm going to take it even further back. Right. I wanted to be an Olympian loser, which in Oklahoma <laughs> is a lofty dream. Um, I watched yeah. it. Yeah. I, I mean, of all the sports to be an Olympian <laughs> at luge is like, 
not the top of the list. Pretty bananas. Um, But like, I remember watching the Winter Olympics and being like, I want to do that. And my, you know, my parents are just like, that's really like, we want to support you, but like, that's really, not only is that financially, yeah. But but the the luge is the one where you lay down, right? Skeleton. The skeleton, yeah. Face down, Uh face forward. I'm sure, yeah. Going down a bobsled and luge is when you're laying on your back going down a bobsled. Yes. Just you. You're just you at very high speeds people like yeah. get very I, you know it as a as a young girl in Oklahoma I probably was like trying to really break out of Actually. whatever mold there was there um I played soccer when I was younger I love that you know and so I was a I, I considered myself an athlete well what is the one thing that like no one else is going to be like yeah me too and that was probably okay. admittedly um not a very realistic goal so then I moved on to summer olympics and I decided I wanted to be a runner gotcha. and my parents got me a stopwatch and I mapped out a mile and would just run this like block repeatedly and time myself um so I had some pretty like uh, I mean I I I wasn't an Olympic runner just in case anybody's that cliffhanger I can like let that one go but um I I definitely wanted to like combine some sort of activity you know with my accomplishments that's always been I've run a marathons like I love having goals like that but um I don't think that I had like a realistic I want to be this when I grow up until I got to audition for that tv you know part and then I was like oh this is this is great and it's challenging and that rush of adrenaline like being live or you know that's something like public speaking I think people either like seek it or they run from it and I definitely was like that that's terrifying and I want to do it not that's terrifying and get it away from me (laughs) so I I'm this is an assumption but growing up then especially with like the luge thing and you mentioned something that no one else wanted to do you just kind of had strive to be different so I think so, but in the, stand out a little bit. Like I don't want to pretend like I was, you know, a trailblazer by sure. any means. But I, I did like have a sense in me that like I wanted to, I wanted to like stand out in a way that I think my peers probably were more trying to like not stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was definitely like a teenager and very, you know, d- <laughs> I was like every other teenager. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, I think that as far as like what drove me that was more of a driver than probably I I had a family friend um, her daughter and I were really good friends in high school and we still are friends she said she commented on something that I had posted and she was like you are always different growing up and like I didn't I thank you I don't know what that you know I'm sure she meant it positively but it was that like you always kind of did your own beat you know I, I was you know I was who I don't look at it now and think that was like um, intentional per se. Like I thought that thought it was more right. that gave me a good, that was a good motivation and I yeah. felt good doing that stuff. So I think it was um, without analyzing myself too much, you could say that, but yeah. I wasn't, um, I, w- I wasn't breaking the mold in like ways that I think people look back and be like, yeah, she, you know, right. I picked her out in the crowd or something like that. But it, there, there may be a connection with the travel thing though, mm. because when you travel, you, you're, 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 you know, you broaden your horizons, you see the world, you see what's available, you see what's out there. And then when you come back to Oklahoma, because you've seen people in mm. Paris or all around the world doing things, that is now normal to you, even though it's not normal to people here. It's interesting. So that might have, you might have stood mm. out to everyone here, but not to, not mentally in your head, because especially as a young teenager, we're all self-conscious. Yeah, yeah. But then it, you know, there, there might've been that thing there that said, you know what, I'm not super self-conscious huh. because, yeah, all my friends are off doing this. I want to go do this because I've seen people do it and 
in my head, that's normal, right? That's interesting. And I, I, I've never even thought about it like that. But I think especially with the luge thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that didn't seem like an impossible thing for like, you know, a kid in Oklahoma. Yeah. I remember thinking like, yeah, we just have to like do these things. And I've always been really, and even today, like I love the adrenaline rush of being like this. You know, I tell my staff all the time, like there are there are no barriers, you know, like we have to, well, I should say also there's laws, there's all these things, but like, as far as like dreaming and vision, yeah. you know, like let's, let's do something no one's done before because that like being able to like be, you know, change the way our agency is perceived or, you know, what is ours, what we can do. I mean, that to me is like the best adrenaline rush ever getting to do these open houses, you know, and, and I don't know. There's been probably RFIs and people have probably done things like that. But the team, you could tell just really like, we're like, yes, we're going to do this. And I'm just so lucky that I've got a team of amazing people. that are like, yeah, you know, and I'm like, but what about this? And they're like, yeah. So, um, they yep. definitely pull me back sometimes. and like, have you thought about this? And I appreciate it. But for the most part, like we get to do really neat things and they're always up for an adventure yeah. or an, a cool idea. Yeah. I think it's better to be that way and come up with a million ideas. And then, you know, yeah, you pick 10 that are epic rather than Oh, absolutely. Struggle to get to 10 ideas and, you know, half of them aren't great. I say very often, I'm like, this is either a really good idea or it's the worst idea. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure yet, you know, and but we'll figure it out. (laughs) Did you, you mentioned, you know, kind of being pretty athletic growing up. Did you grow up with brothers? Yeah, I have a, um, this surprises no one when I say this, but I'm the oldest. Um, There's a video of me when my brother, it's his birthday, and he think he's turning five or six, where you can see me and hear me saying he's unwrapping his birthday presents wrong. Um, Yeah, so I I was, I was... uh, I, I, uh, as advertised, um, but I have a younger brother who's two years younger and my sister, uh, Shannon, who's seven years younger. And, uh, they're both, uh, they're both actually finishing up school. She's getting her doctorate and he's getting his master's. And the competitive part of me is like, I need to go back to school. <laughs> I need another <laughs> right? Like I can't let them win. Um, but they're yeah. both amazing. And Matt and I being so close in age, um, there was a, like, there was a lot of physicality, you know, in the, like, I think brothers have that, but him and I, I adore him now. And he's, but like, we really did fight like, you know, and and there was very many like athletic things that happened. And he was my best friend and also like my, my tormentor growing up. (laughs) It's a great sibling to have. It is. It is. For all the right and wrong reasons. Yes. 100%. Yeah. So you mentioned the broadcast thing that was kind of like, I'm focused on this. I'm, you know, I'm doing, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm putting myself in front of a camera. I'm doing live TV at a young age. Does that just think, you know, this is the path for me. I'm going to, you know, chase this into college and then become be on the news and maybe do a winter Olympics or summer Olympics and right, get into exactly. the sports world. I will, um, luge and conduct yeah. an interview at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I played soccer in college um, at St. Gregory's. We had that brief discussion beforehand, um, and you, you, we played in the same conference when you played golf. And um, I think going to school to do that and also study communications, like I took a little bit of a detour there because there wasn't a broadcasting program at the school that I originally went to. I transferred to UCO and then did that there. Yeah. Um, probably a long and boring story, internships, all of that stuff, but um, was really, it was an interesting time to be graduating with that degree because I think the news in general was changing. Um, it was like, I wanted to 
change the world, right? I wanted to like do hard hitting stories, investigative journalism, and like, you know, basically make the world better through that career. And I think at that point, like just because of the economics of, you know, a reporter doing a story that was going to take multiple days and lots of interviews and wasn't going to be ready for weeks at a time, it was changing. And um, it, I don't, I want to be really careful about what I say because I think, you know, that's an important medium and there, but it was really turning into more of an entertainment, you know, focus in that it's quick hits that like, and it was, it was, it was weird for me because I, I had to have that realization that like what I wanted to do, like it didn't really exist either. I had to change what I wanted to do or, um, you know, not do it. And yeah. it was tough, but it's interesting how the world works because I think, being a public servant, I get to do that in just a different way. And people are always surprised when they're like, you're really good at an interview or, you know, I saw you on TV. Great job. And I'm like, well, I I did go to college for that. So like, I I mean, thank you. But also, you know, it's a skill set that I think has been really helpful as people that are in public service, especially, you know, in a leadership role are expected to be like spokespersons for that, especially in this role. Absolutely. And so it's one of those, like, I'm really glad that ended, like that happened the way it did, even though at the time I was like, you know, you're, you have all these ideals and, um, it it just wasn't, it's probably not going to be what I wanted it to be. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when you're in college and and especially if you're a college athlete, you know, there's a lot of college athletes who do communication as a degree, right. Mm -hmm. And they kind of get laughed at. Yeah, and you know, like you know, and I, I, I definitely laughed at friends of mine who were like, "Yeah, I'm doing a communication degree. It was super easy. I didn't do anything. It was all online. Mm-hmm. I just played golf." I'm like, "Well, okay, good for you." Um, but looking back, I think I would. I yeah, I wish I would have done a communications degree, right? Because it doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter if you're a plumber or if you sell real estate or if mm-hmm. you're on TV. We've all got to communicate, and the better you are at communicating, it's going to make you better at your job. Yeah. What was your degree in? Marketing. Well, I mean, there's not a ton of... Yeah. I mean, it's okay, but, like, I took marketing because it was less accounting classes. That's fair. Uh, no, I but mean... Like, yeah, you're right. Like, it's, you know, it's it's not it's not the degree that I think it's perceived as, right? It's much better than that mm-hmm. for longevity. Yeah. Right? The flip side of that is, like, you know, everyone... It's like when you write something, everyone in general that, you know, can can like write and they think it's super easy and there's not a strategy to it, you know. And so you get to communicate someone who's like, well, yeah, I mean, I can communicate, you know, whatever. But it's like, no, actually, there's a strategy and, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into it. And but I do think you hit on something. I think the thing that I've been really lucky, I've had a lot of jobs in state government. Um, I started out as a budget analyst and then was in communications, too. And I got to touch on so many different areas. Um, I worked at, I started, um, I worked at OMES, which is a central services agency that does, they, you know, do a, a ton of stuff, but I know a lot about it because I had to write and be a spokesperson and like all of that. So, you know, it's, it's like, um, knowing a little bit about everything, especially when you're in a huge ecosystem, like state government, you really are, you, you almost become, you know, it's your secret power is because you can know the people or the things that really are that linchpin of like either starting something or the completing it because you have to have, you know, that knowledge or at least know where to go to get that yeah. information. So when you do graduate then, do you take like, do you take a job where you've been previously interning at or does it like, how does that, mm-hmm. how does that first job come about? You know, um, so 
I'm trying to decide right now what's going through my head is do I give you like the easy answer on that one or do I talk? So I took Tying the LSAT um, okay. and like, I, yeah, yeah. So that was, um, I, I was dating someone at the time and um, we had decided we were going to get married and he was in law school. So I decided that would be my path. It ended up not being my path. Um, he also beat me by one point on the LSAT, which I still remember. And I took it twice just to um, try to beat him and I didn't, uh, still a sore subject, but, um, so I thought I was going to go to law school and I didn't do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I took a job and, um, it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. You know, it was one of those things. I'm not going to say, I think that like, you know, saying where it was is probably irrelevant, but yeah, I did. And, um, it was, it, it just wasn't the experience I wanted it to be. And I did, um, I worked in nonprofit for a while. I did, I, you know, worked in communications, did a lot of different stuff, but it wasn't until um, I had my job as a budget analyst. It was my first job okay. in state government where I got to analyze policy and um, really kind of work in that finance piece that really intrigued me. Um, Cause that was really what I wanted to report on was I really wanted to be, you know, a, a finance reporter and like really talk about those hard things because I think also there's certain, especially at that time, there's certain industries that like women weren't super prevalent in. I think that like you could say that potentially about tech, especially then, but like finance was one of those where there weren't a lot of voices that were, it's like kind of that thing of like finding a niche where you can be, you know, different. I think that's part of it too. Um, but that's what I wanted to do. And there wasn't a lot of female voices in that space. And so that when I became a budget analyst, analyst and got to kind of combine both of those, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, and it really instilled in, into me this um, fiscal responsibility. Mm-hmm. I feel so lucky that that was my first job. I had great bosses that were really like, you know, we are servants of the taxpayer dollars. And yeah. that is something that is like fundamental to what I push down to my staff, but also it drives my decisions because um, I think that there's if you have that as your baseline, you're always going to make decisions that aren't that aren't um, that aren't really so narrow that you're not thinking about the perspectives that may not be immediately obvious. Right. Yeah. Like I mean, finding there's nothing better than finding what you want to do, finding yeah. your place. Right. Finding like. I enjoy coming to work every day because I feel like I'm making a difference and it's also stimulating my brain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not just punching in and punching out every day, just like, why am I here kind of thing, right? 100. Yeah. Like, I think, I remember my mom told me this recently and I have have no recollection of it, but it sounds very much like, um, you know... (laughs) My mom's amazing, but she also will say stuff in a way that um, you're like, I think that meant to be a compliment, but it was a, it was a, it was, you know, it was a little, a little rough. Um, but she was like, well, yeah, you weren't going to be an, an early bloomer or something like that. And, you know, you, like I knew you would get, figure out what you wanted to do, but like, you know, it wasn't going to happen when it happened for other people, you know, and I'm just like, let's stop talking right now. Um, but so I, I was in my early thirties when I, you know, got that position and, um, it was, it, you know, it, it didn't pay awesome. It was an entry level position, but like, it was one of those things where I knew I would, um, I wanted to get more of that. Like I'm involved in how this big system works and like what I'm doing is changing or helping my state. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's also my Achilles heel. Cause when people say, what are you going to do after this? And I'm like, 
I don't know. I, I don't. Um, and I, I wonder, like, is that the thing that really I have to have some element of that? And then, like, you know, I'm never... I'm never gonna own like a giant house that I have rooms I don't go to every day because public service isn't you know I'm I'm well compensated I don't have any complaints but like you're never going to retire early you know or do something like that and so my my entrepreneurial dreams um, I don't know if like I'll get into it and I'll be like no it's not you know like I need that thing that that service aspect of it that's what really is you know drives me. Um, and so, you know, a couple of years from now, I'll probably have a crisis of conscience and be like, ah, what am I going to do? Um, but I've been really lucky to identify that and yeah. be able to generate, you know, um, generate like the, the satisfaction you need, but also like see change that I've impacted, especially for the place that I love. Right. Like um, getting to serve during the pandemic was like, that was like the honor of a lifetime. Mm-hmm because there were so many people that needed help. And I say this often when people ask, like, why that was when I took the job, you know, I'm jumping around here, but when I took the job in unemployment and workforce, it was in, it was May of 2020 when the pandemic had just happened. And like, there was so much desperation just on so many little levels, but with people, because, you know, everything had been shut down. I think that if public service is the thing that drives you, if like making sure that you're making an impact, I don't see how I could have said no. You know, like it was a chance of a lifetime to help so many people in ways that were like tangible. And um, so it wasn't ever that I thought I I was just like, can I be the best person to do it? That was really the question for me, not would I do it? Of course I would do it Um, because there's literally 4 million people that are going through something they've never gone before. And so many of them have had their lives just ripped out from underneath them. And I can make an impact on that. Like I can, I can help fix that. Yeah. And, and I know we chatted before this, that came at a, like, you know, obviously you're a mother as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and the timing of that was your pandemic. You have a daughter, thankfully, you know, your daughter's dancing and she's off at a dance school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know we can, we, we want to talk about this because I think it's worth talking about is, you know, you will be, you were able to get, dedicate yourself fully to your job, thankfully, because your daughter is at out of state at a dance school, yeah. right? You know, if your daughter's in state or your son or whoever, it doesn't matter who it is, yeah. right? You're not, you know, you fortunate enough to, you know, selfishly dive into all work, and I'm sure yeah. you did work probably 12 hour days oh during gosh. the pandemic because everybody in state service did. Yeah. Right? That's so interesting about the pandemic is because like there was people that everything stopped and then there's people that it was like all of a sudden there's not Chaos. ever going to be enough time, you know, right. and I thrive in those environments. I know not everybody does, but I am not very good at the like scheduling the doctor's appointment stuff, but you give me a fire or a crisis and I'm like, yeah, we're living now, you know, like let's do this. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting because I've had this conversation with many different people. And it's like, because Lily, my daughter went to boarding school in August of 2020, everything was, you know, like I dedicated myself 110% leading up to that, but also she wasn't needing to go to dance or, you know, all these things that are obligations. Like, and my, my, my world changed in that, like I could, I literally did not have to be home when she, you know, because she's at school in Michigan. Um, like I didn't have to be, I could work till midnight. And I do tell my staff, like I can work 24 hours a day if Lily's not here. Now my husband is probably going to be like, Hey, I I'm here too, but he's very, he's very understanding. But like my ability to do that job at OESC and get to work at like, you know, 5am 
and leave later. Um, that absolutely is not possible if I was having to fulfill that role of, you know, she's going to school and then this is how she's getting, and then I'm going to take her to dance or I'm going to pick her up or I'm going to, you know, the coordination of that is something that, um, would not have been possible. And I don't think that had that situation with her getting accepted into boarding school and deciding to go there. Um, and like, I would have been able to do the job the way I, the way I did. Um, you're always disappointing someone in those situations. I think all parents feel like this, but it was interesting because I always had like, it, it always felt like there was this tug of war and all of a sudden that was gone. And I was like, Oh wait, this is what it feels like to be like completely and maybe like scarily dedicated <laughs> to your job because there's no one saying you have to come get me or, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. So it, it was, it, I don't think I fully like figured out all the answers to that question, but I do think that when I'm, you know, especially like new moms, when we're talking, like you want to acknowledge that that is impossible. Like it's impossible. I miss the heck out of my kid. She loves it. Right. But like, that is a sacrifice that I have so that I can do. I got home at what, 11 o'clock last night from um, Northeast Oklahoma. Like you can't do that when you have it, you know, family at home. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, I don't have, we're still, this experiment is still ongoing. Uh, she's a junior in high school. So, yeah. um, but I know she loves it. It's, it's a good thing, but it has offered me this opportunity to be dedicated in a way that, um, you know, the first, uh, 13 years of her life, I, yeah. I was, you know, trying to juggle all of those things. Does she share your passion for competitiveness? She, it's so weird having kids because like, there's certain things that you're like, I really hope you get this quality. And then there's other things where you're like, Oh, uh, like, I'm so sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's, she was a competitive dancer for a long time, so she is competitive, but she's like the, the, a better version of me, like 100%. Like I am how don't touch the stove. It's hot. And I'm like, mm, let me see, you know, and she is cautious in a way that's like so much more like adaptable to a circumstance. Like she's just, she's, she's not as competitive as I am in that. Like, I think the, the part of me that I'm, with maturity, I've realized that that's not a, like we don't have to get mad about board games, you know, or throw our pen or whatever. Uh, it's an embarrassing story. Um, but like she has that ability to turn it on and off in a way that like I, I do now. But when I was younger, I would realize that like, oh, this isn't normal. People don't do this. Like, you know, we're monopoly is not a blood sport. Right. <laughs> so not everyone cares as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. And then you're like, why don't you care? This is, this is a game. Yeah. You know, we have it. It is, it is one of those things that I think she got the best portion of that in that like she, she is competitive, but she's also not, um, she's not, not at the expense of other things, uh, yeah. which is a good, that makes her a much better friend and just person in general. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, that was a really long answer to that. No, I, I mean, it's like, I, I, I we don't have kids, but it's funny. Like we have two dogs and the way that I like sometimes yell at the dog cause she doesn't stop barking at the front door is the same way that my dad yelled at our dog. Yeah, home. Right. And I catch myself and I'm like, you yell exactly the same way as your dad does. Mm -hmm. And I had only realized that two, maybe yeah, 
Yeah, about one, two years ago. Those are some like real moments where, yeah, the reflection. My mom is, uh, I say she's five feet of fury. Like she's five feet tall and like every inch of that can like tear you down in two seconds. And, um, but I think like she's also very straightforward and like there's a lot of qualities that I have that I think when I was younger, I I thought this is the most embarrassing thing in the world and I'm sure my daughter like you never it's all the same thing over and over again you know the same things that I do that my daughter's like that is you're terrible and you're ruining my life um you know is this is exact same thing I thought and you think you're so unique and like the world is you know but it's 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 the same thing and I know that the reasons why the like I'm successful a lot of a lot of the qualities that I have that I think have allowed me to do um do the neat, the great things I've been able to do, like, or because she was this example that really was like not one that I saw all the time from you know other other women in her generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome, uh, and I'm sure like you know being coming from Polish descent, like there's some of that just hardened, you know, like oh, man. part of you that's so, like deeply rooted in your family. Deeply rooted in like a history that is, yeah, like just, but our family name is Torzynski. Okay. Um, and uh, if you ever see a ski, my staff would laugh about this because I tell them Polish tidbits all the time. Um, SKI, that, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, generally that's Polish and it means son of. And um, But my grandfather, his name's um, Louis Marion, or was Louis Marion Torzynski, okay. but um, his name is Torchy. Like no one knows him as yeah. Lou or Louis, it's Torchy. So like that, that is her dad. <laughs> Like, so it's this very, um, there's, there's, there's a million stories I could tell you about our, that side of the family, but all my staff knows that we're Polish. And like, if there's ever an opportunity to like celebrate Poland, the first people that completed the route 66 passport, Poland, Uh uh-huh. It was a couple from Poland. I was like, yeah, I mean, those are my people. <laughs> no one, no one does that. That's yeah, just me. Yeah, that's back to the monopoly situation. Right, exactly. No I'm like really Poland won, uh, but no, they, no one else is yeah. as advocate as you know as big an advocate as I am. I think probably about Poland, yeah. but um, it, it's it. There's not there's not a ton of us in Oklahoma, so it's a uh, it's it's interesting. And then like yeah, just admitting the history, there is a tough grittiness that like I, that is goes very far back. My grandfather was born on the south side of Chicago, and like he has a crazy story too. So I think that perseverance is like if you look at the thread, that's that's very common. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. My my go to with the you know Wales being a tiny country as mm-hmm. well in Europe is that there were more people from Wel- of Welsh descent who signed the Declaration of Independence than any other country in. The, in other than the states, that's amazing, right? And then when I people tell people that, they're like, "No way!" And I'm like, "Wikipedia says so." Yeah, Google no, it. I mean, <laughs> like, figure it so out. So that's something is, yeah. I like. I would, if I was you, I would repeat every podcast just yeah. so you're like, I'm, I'm not sure if you know. I'm not sure if you know. <laughs> but this is a tidbit about Wells that I think yeah. I'm going to drop today, and then no, that would totally be my go-to. I support that. I will say that for you, and in the next cu- coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, like. You know, you mentioned at the start of the podcast, you started October 12th, mm-hmm. you know, in the new role as director of fun, basically. Yes. Yeah. How does that come about? How like, do you get a phone call months in advance? Is oh, it like wow. a day off? Like, how does that happen? Because a lot of people like, oh, they just see a headline yeah. and they see, oh, you know, Shelly's been elected mm-hmm. or how we chosen or however it goes. How does that happen actually? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that I think um, 
I'm going to talk about the mystery behind the appointment, but I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, something. Unfortunately, the story is probably pretty generic, and it happens every single day. Um, as I, I told the governor whenever um, I was approached about taking the job at in unemployment during the pandemic, uh -huh. I said, I'm, you know, I can committed to two years because I knew all the challenges they had, especially technology challenges. Like there, that was a minimum yeah. to be able to do that. And as I hit that two year mark. Um, I kind of started thinking I had assembled this amazing staff of people there, um, especially like the leadership. And it became less necessary, I think, for me to be that person, you know, like these, these, it's a group of executives that know what they're doing. We've, you know, we've calmed down. There's still challenges, but it wasn't the, um, it wasn't the like sprint to the finish line that it had been for a while. And, you know, I, I, I had been talking to uh, different people in the administration about what do you want to do next, and um, tourism came up. Uh, I don't say this about myself often, but it's been repeated um, that, like, I'm a fixer, and, you know, everything that had happened to tourism prior to that, it was an agency that very much needed someone to come in and be able to do a lot quickly. Yeah, um, we'd had some situations. Yeah, exactly. And so it, and I knew that there wasn't a lot of stability there. Um, and so those, you know, just started having those conversations. Um, it was over m multiple months and, you know, I, I didn't know a ton about, I knew about tourism, but I was even surprised that it was like over 700 people worked there and all, all that it encompassed. But it has always been one of those agencies in the back of my mind that was like, I've never worked at a cool agency. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a hierarchy everywhere. Right. Yeah. And like, um, the central service agency, while, they have a lot of power, was not super cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then unemployment and workforce, not necessarily not cool and definitely became a, you know, a linchpin for success while I was there. But like being able to do the things I do now, like I just, I was like, man, like that seems like a really, yeah. a, a fascinating job. And, but I knew it would be a lot of work because of everything that had happened. And so we just kept discussing it. And um, I knew, I think the thing that helped for the decision for me was I knew I had a strong leadership team there that if I left, it wasn't going to be this vacuum. Um, and so now I've, I'm over here and I'm building a new leadership team. And it actually, I think, you know, people that are much wiser than me realize this, I'm sure a lot sooner, but the ability to build great teams and then be able to leave, like I realized doing that, that that was something that I was good at, you know, and like getting people together. And of course I've made decisions that were not good ones and you know, everybody does, but people that work together and can really like cohesively run something and there's not that um, backstabbing environment that can kind of be toxic. Um, that's what we're doing here and really, putting some foundational things down. And I really enjoy that. I enjoy helping people to, you know, navigate that world where, you know, they think they're the only person that's advocating for them. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. I want to make you successful. If, you know, if you get your dream job after this, or if this is your dream job, then yeah. like that, that, that makes me successful as well. Where do you kind of pull your just success in leadership from? Like, mm. obviously it's a long, you know, it's, it's taken a while to, it's not something that's very easy to be successful at, right? You know, everyone, there's many blueprints out there. This is what you should yeah, do to be yeah. a successful leader, but actually doing it when you have, you know, 10 people, a hundred or, you know, 700 people now, like are the principles the same? And what have you kind mm. of like evolved over time, like as a leader? Cause probably people probably don't ask you that enough. Mm. You know, they probably just see, Hey, I travel, I speak. Yeah. But you're actually like leading a team, you know, you have a, a, a leadership team and then you have all these mm -hmm. employees. So obviously, you know, back to the fixer 
quote, you're very good at what you do, and, and there's a reason for that. Thank you. Do you um, know what that specifically is? Is there something you focus on like mm. with every single one or is everyone different? Yeah, th- that's a, those are very good questions. I think it really all started with um, my brother when he was unwrapping the presents wrong. Like <laughs> the ability to identify, you know, things that need to be corrected. No, I'm kidding. That, that, uh, first of all, I want to say like I question myself constantly, like not in a way that I think is like um, putting myself down, but just like, you know, making sure I'm navigating it. And I was actually having this conversation yesterday. I said, like, as a leader, you don't have the luxury of thinking, how does this impact me? You can never think like that, right? You have to constantly be evaluating, like, is this going to set a good example for the team? And I told this person, I said, I am every single day making myself be a better version of myself. There's an easy way to do anything. You cannot return a text. You can not take that extra moment to make sure, you know, the team understands or is headed in the right direction or, you know, n- not giving that attaboy. But like everyone cannot do that. Yeah. Like, but you have to constantly be holding yourself to a standard that's just a little bit higher and you're not going to meet it every single time. That's the other thing is like, there are times I really wish I would have handled situations differently. Um, and I could have been a more positive impact on someone that's, you know, on my team. But I think reflecting on that is probably something that like with maturity, I realized that a mistake isn't something that, um, you know, is a mark necessarily. It's an opportunity to really get better. And, um, I just try not to take the easy way out on those situations, have the hard conversations, um, make sure that if someone, if someone can benefit from you not taking the easy way out and they're on your team, like take that extra moment to try to be that better version of yourself and give that direction and like make sure that they are taking what they need from it. Like, you know, you're setting them on a positive path. But I think, um, I really, I really get a lot of satisfaction out of, um, seeing others succeed, you know, like team members of mine when they're just like, if they go on to do something else or if they're really, they feel like their engagement with our team is like something that really drives their satisfaction, that really, you know, how can we get more of that? Um, But I also think it's like holding yourself super accountable that like, even if there's not a direct correlation to what you're doing, let's say, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but if, you know, you can be doing everything fiscally responsible, but if on the outside, that's not something that's reflected to your team by your actions or whatever, there could be no direct correlation there. But if they see you as someone who does one thing and says another, then it's less impactful. Like you really do have to, if you say this is important to me, you have to analyze your actions from that like point of view. And, um, that's been something that I think as I've gotten, um, as I've like led bigger teams, that's something that I've really tried to focus on is, um, you can argue anything to death, you know, I can say, well, that's not what I meant, or actually that doesn't, you know, that doesn't relate or whatever, but it doesn't really matter if at the end of the day, the person that's like doing the hard work at one of our parks says, I don't think she cares about the dollar the same way I do. Mm -hmm. Then I have, then I haven't been a good leader, right? Like I really do have to walk the walk and talk the talk and be conscious of like what that impression is. That's a super long answer, but I just think like there's always going to be a book and there's, things that I get out of all of them. And there's a lot of times I'm like, 
man, maybe I should adopt this style or something, you know, but at the end of the day, I think the thing that has allowed me to really, you know, hopefully be a positive impact on the teams I'm leading is that that honesty that like, I am going to fall short. You are going to fall short. We're all going to like, we're going to run fast. And if you trip, I will pick you up and we'll keep going, you know? And, um, but if there's correction, like I will be direct and I'll tell you and say, this is not working. This is what we need to do. And then we're done with it. And like you go be successful. Um, and those are hard things for a lot of people. I think like, you know, confrontation, no one loves it. No one loves being like, you didn't match up today or you didn't meet the expectations. But that's that's the thing I see in leadership that's often like the thing that could have been done better and people avoid it so much. It's like someone from point A to point B has no idea what, how they got there because, you know, a leader didn't want to say, hey, that wasn't good enough or I think you need to do this differently. And it's, you know, it's the hard way versus the easy way, I think. Yeah. Well, and also I think when you go into it and you say, right, I got two years, like, you know, that like, it's not just, I I can do this for the rest of my life. I've got five, 10, 20 years in this, you know, when you've got such a confined time to turn things around or improve things or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it, two years is not a lot of time. It's not, man. Right. So you've got, especially when you think of like budgets and employment and all the other things Mm -hmm. that go into it, like two years is nothing, right? No, not, especially like, and as I said earlier, I've made mistakes. Like there's definitely things where I was like, man, I just burned a month of time or six weeks or whatever, because I should have, you know, or that person wasn't right for that position or whatever, you know, there's a myriad of things. And so, yeah, it is, I mean, that is the engine that's in the back of my mind too, is like, we, we've got a lot to do and not very much time, but also I like, I like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I like new experiences too. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like giving myself that time period to do those things, it's also about like, I mean, I can't, I enjoy this while you have it, you know, like there's that, there's an, there's a permanence that I don't think I've allowed myself, you know, to enjoy. And so it's, it's that experience and making the most out of it. That's like, that drives me too. Yeah. And forgive me for not knowing enough about like the hierarchy and all of that. No, 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 no. I think it's endearing that you don't. But (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I don't know what I'm going to do after this. Mm -hmm just in the realm of possibilities weird like what is next on the ladder mm. right what is like the next step like just if you just look at the chart like is there just a bunch of people who are executive directors of like what you came for to where you are now is it like a lateral move or is it mm. hey if i want to do something else i've got to go to this i've got to go mm. be an l you know take on matt and we know matt obviously no one we'll know who matt is i don't want to say yes weird, yes yes you know yes, I mean. no uh, so uh, uh, lieutenant yeah. governor i'm not trying to i'm not coming for you i promise <laughs> i'm coming for you. i want to play golf with him yeah he's a good golfer yeah just but yes you know obviously and he will be on the podcast soon i believe but like wh- what's next i mean yeah. you know you your daughter your daughter could be what two years you're going into college Right. Yeah, man, you know, like, that's a not whole, to throw that in the mix as well, but man, you know, yeah, that is where I am always failing is that whole thing of like parents that are, have kids that are going like that whole like going to college and yeah. the visits and everything like that. I feel completely inadequate in that situation. I'm hanging on by a thread. Um, but that aside, um, yeah, I mean, there's it, it's a lot of different options, right. but I think also 
the model of like a director, I don't know. There's probably someone that went from like running an agency to running another agency that probably exists somewhere. I don't think that that, but recently I don't think that that's something that a lot of people have done. Um, and so it's kind of a unique situation to be in. I think I could probably go run a different agency, but I don't know that that's something that, um, I don't know right now I, that wouldn't, there'd be, have to be a unique circumstance. I think that would compel me to do that. Um, I think that there's, there is the option of, uh, right now, uh, uh, Matt Pinnell is our cabinet secretary. Um, that would, that's like the next step, like of someone running an agency and being a cabinet secretary. But I don't know that that, like he does a great job at that. There's no, there's no reason why that would necessarily change. A lot of people run for office, you know, in those situations. I don't think that that's probably something that's in my future. I've thought it was before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, we, we talked briefly about this circumstances change you and you, you know, you sometimes those, those, um, those ideas, um, take on a different form when like the experiences around them give you a different perspective. But, um, I always have had an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial streak uh, when I could say it correctly. And, um, I think probably that's something that really interests me, but, um, then I also, ah, the realist in me is like, do you really want to do that? Like, you know, your, your daughter's going to go to college and you can do whatever you want to. And like, you're really going to, start your own business and dedicate, you know, hundreds of hours to that. Is that, is that a smart move? Um, but that's really the only thing that's stuck in my brain from, you know, this whole time that I'm like, man, that would be really cool because the same passion that I talk about, like Oklahoma and my team and the things like, I would love to share that with something that I have built from the ground up, you know, um, that would be, I love that when people are business owners and they're just like, they want to do the best they can and make an impact in the thing that they do. They're super proud of that. That to me is like that same energy of, um, being able to promote Oklahoma. Um, but I don't know what that would, I mean, I don't know what form that would take. Um, yeah, I mean, I could run for office and, um, probably do that, but we talked about this briefly, like the pandemic was crazy for a lot of reasons, but I think the attention that I had gotten really like, mushroomed and it impacted my family a lot. Um, my daughter and my son and uh, my daughter, I don't have a son, but uh, (laughs) my daughter and my husband, uh, he, um, you know, and it was, it was tough to see my career negatively impacting them. Um, and I don't know that I would do that intentionally right now because an election is really hard. And I think if you're running for office and you don't have that perspective beforehand, you could probably deal with it, but knowing that like, that would be, that would be something I would have to accept at, to, to run for office and to really like take, um, knowingly put them in that position again. Um, I, I don't know that I would do that yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. I'm sure that's something I'll look back on this interview and say, you know, wow, I, you know, I can't believe I thought that. And then, you know, this happened, but I believe in public service in a way that I won't ever completely rule it, rule it out. Like, I yeah. think that, um, I would love to continue to serve my state in whatever capacity, but um, I think that running for office is something that I don't think that it has the, um, I don't think that people sometimes appreciate it for like the sacrifice it is. Sure. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me on that, but um if you have the right people running and trying to do the right thing, and there are a lot of them, I promise, um, that 
the things that you give up to do that are significant. Sure. And it's not someone that's, a, a lot of times it's not someone that's an egomaniac. It's a, it's sometimes it's a single issue that galvanize yeah. them or they just really want to be someone that's an advocate for their, you know, their district or their state or whatever it is. And, um, unfortunately, like it's, it's a weird time to be doing that right now, I think. Yeah. Um, and there are people that have run and like not done great things and uh, that's disappointing to see. Um, yeah. So, you know, politics aside, I think public service is an amazing thing. And the people that sacrifice their family time and all of that to run for office, it's super admirable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I believe in that, but I don't know where my intersection of that happens in the yeah. future. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's seasons for everything, right? You know, we might look on this in 10 years and you might, you know, yeah, now is my time. I think I'm going to do it. And, and things change. And, you know, that's the beauty of opinions too, right? Like <laughs> minds can be changed and opinions oh, changed based on different experiences. Yeah. You know, it's, and back to the public service thing, um, you know, there is something special about it. Even if you're a policeman or a firefighter or you're yeah. a nurse or what, you know, whatever it is, like there's just something special about helping people. Yeah. It's which is what it comes down to. Right. Absolutely. Um, well, finishing up, I want to talk about some fun things. Yes, let's do that. In your bio, it says you're like running and reading. I do. I'm a reading right now. Yes. What am I reading right now? So, um, the book I'm reading right now, I like, I have a weird genre. Um, I like a lot of historical, I'll even do historical fish, fiction at times, but, um, I'm reading a biography about this, um, young woman who grew up in Minnesota and she had a really rough childhood mom with mental illness, all of these things. And I was reading about the description of this book and it says she went to boarding school and I was like, Oh, interesting. And she went to boarding school and then she went to Harvard. And so I'm intrigued. And then I read more and I find out she actually went to the boarding school that my daughter went to. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to read this. Right. And to, much to my daughter's chagrin, um, you know, this was, I, I started telling her about it. I was like, Harvard, that's amazing. Like alumni, you know, look and at they, what's possible. Ah, yeah, no pressure um, at all. Yeah. And uh, so I've been reading that. It's been interesting to see because like that whole, like the thread of perseverance is very strong with her too. And she did a lot of extraordinary things to get there. Um, and like the fact that there's that small, like that experience for my daughter has been transformational, you know, and like, I have no doubt she's going to be a successful independent person wherever she goes to college. But, um, she also like just seeing that perspective from someone else who's not a student because she has a whole life. Like as a parent, when your kid has a whole life, especially that young where you don't see it every day, um, getting to read that book was a small way to, and still reading it to like kind of connect with my daughter. And then, um, also my anxiety about the whole college acceptance thing, like reading about someone else's trials and tribulations, like it's been, it's been a little comforting because yeah. it's not like, it's not like when I went to college at all. Well, I, it's funny, my, a guy I know, his daughter is probably 14, 15, same age. And, and he's kind of been, you know, keeping her away, not keeping her away from social media, but just making, keeping an eye on her, right? Yeah, social yeah. media is a, can be you a dark to, place, yeah. right? And until... Uh, they were talking about, uh, he was talking to someone who, who was on like a panel at, at a sorority or whatever, one of, one of those things. And the sorority, the lady was like, no, she needs a social media presence. Cause if she doesn't, she, that's a huge factor in getting into the right yeah. sorority and getting into university. And he was like, okay, mind blown. I guess she needs a social media now and all this other stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yes, I can't imagine being raising, you know, like a oh teenager right now about to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole competitive dance world where my daughter is doing, um, like ballet and, 
uh, and different types of, but not competitive dance now. But when she was in that, like the whole machine behind like, you know, sponsorships and stuff like that, I was like, man, um, this is insane. But like with her and I, I, we were talking about what she's going to do this summer. And I was, she has some, some school she wants to go to. And I'm like, this is the summer of the SAT tutor, you know, cause she, her scores are good, but like, they can always be better. And she was like, this is going to be the worst summer ever. And I'm like, it's one summer. It's one summer. It's one summer. Um, and you, like, you won't regret it. I promise. But it's like every other parent in the world, you know, your kid is like, you're insane. No one does this. And I'm like, actually, I'm right. reading a book. About um, this. Yeah. And, and that person went to Harvard. That's yeah. What yeah. So I, I've got it done. There's a test study that yeah. I'm currently researching. And this is what you have to do. Now, yeah. um, I try, like, Lily says, um, she said this when she was younger, that I'm, I wasn't a, a tiger mom. I was an eagle mom, which mm-hmm. is next level uh, from tiger. Mm-hmm. And so being that type of parent and letting your kid um, go so far away, a thousand miles away. There's, there's some interesting ways I've tried to channel that. Like I can help you do anything. Just let me like, you know, and she's like, I'm good. Like I, I can do this myself. Right. It's actually been the best thing. Cause I'm worried that had that not have happened, I probably would have been like, you know, mm-hmm. probably she wouldn't have developed all the independent skills that she's got now, you yeah. know? And, um, it takes a lot for me to say that. Cause I think that, you know, I, I, I try very hard to give her whatever opportunity she can have, but mm-hmm. like, she's got it. She'll be good. Um, but I do read a ton. I love it so much. One of my favorite things is like when it's raining outside and I have a book, I can't wait to read. And like, I, I'm actually getting very excited about, um, traveling later today because like I will be out of cell phone range, right. On a plane. And like, I have a book that I'm going to, it's, it's the, no one can text me. No one, you know, like I can really focus on it and I'll put in AirPods. So some, no one will, I can't, Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want another, fr- no. you know, free bag of pretzels. I'm reading Please about how to make my daughter wildly successful. I'm <laughs> <laughs> and how to be a Harvard mom. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. Uh, to the running thing, are you still timing your miles around the neighborhood or uh, are yeah. we, have you like progressed into kind of, you mentioned marathons and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. The distance route now. Uh, you know, um, so I am an aging athlete who's had five knee surgeries um, mm. up until I know it's no one like, it's like, your dreams you're the only one that really cares about it so we don't even need to talk about that I'm not gonna relive my dream last night nor do we have to relive my surgeries but um the uh I, I don't run as much as I'd like to now because I can't. It's, yeah, I don't have any. Yeah. Apparently, that noise that your knee makes when you run, it, it, that's bones hitting. But yeah. um, I do I do still do it. And, like, this, this time of year when, like, you, you kind of get, like, a hint of spring and it's, like, every once in a while it's, like, over 50 degrees and the wind isn't insane, like – that type of energy, it just really excites me. Like a day where it's great running, but you didn't think you were going to get it. Like, there's no way you could keep me inside for that day because I am going to, whether the bone noise is good or bad, I'm going to be like, yes, we've got to take advantage of that. So normally I'm a, I'm a five miler now, but I have done marathons and stuff. And like, I check that off the box. I don't, I tried one about five years ago, like, and I trained and it, my marathon days are done. Yeah, it wasn't worth it. But, you know, I mean, I've done one. I did last year's one. I have that medal. 
I don't need to do it. Right, yeah. Like, I don't need the sticker on my car. I think I'm good. No no offense to anyone who has those stickers. Like, good job, you did it. Um, But, yeah. There's always one, somebody that pulls up next to you with an Iron Man sticker, right? You're just like, okay, now they can't do that. Uh, There's not, yeah. Yeah, there's Uh always something more. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, my wife's training for the full right now, so I am in full support mode. Um, That's awesome. She got up this morning at, like, I don't know, she was running at the lake this morning at, like, stupid o'clock with a group of friends like, mm-hmm. that's amazing I'll be here when you come back just make sure the roads aren't bad like yeah <laughs> so I got a peloton in my basement which is um, game changer I mean I, I it's my favorite cold no I'm kidding it's not, uh, no, cold. It's not who, uh, who, who is your right who is your mm, go-to I'm gonna be so basic Cody, Cody. <laughs> I love him so much like he's just the best like I totally on board with it how'd you know <laughs> my wife <laughs> He's, he's amazing. And yeah. if I want to feel really like I'm powerful, I'll do Camilla. Okay. Um, because Camilla Ramon, like I, I can't uh, say it very well, but like even the way she says her name, you're just like, yeah. yeah. Like, um, I'm but, in my pain cave. I'm about to dominate the spike. Absolutely. But I've got to like come with a, like a lot of caffeine in my veins <laughs> to be like really ready for her. Cause she's, uh, she's intense, but I love her. I love her so much, yeah. but Cody's my go-to. Like he, I, I know nothing about pop music, but I leave my sessions like being completely aware of everything that's going Texting on. Texting your daughter, like, hey, do you know this song? Like, and his yes, dance mom. moves are amazing. Like, yeah. oh, it's just, yeah, he's he's a great human. I feel like I don't ever want to meet him because if he's not great, then I don't want to know about it. We, uh, we didn't meet him, but we bumped into him mm. at the airport coming home from the UK, going to <gasps> US Customs. Oh my gosh. In the zigzag line. And he was, Taryn, my wife was like, I think that's Cody Rigsby. And I was like, who? And she pulled up on Instagram. I was like, yeah, that's the guy. And he was in like highlighter yellow, like outfit. Like, oh. And he's a tall guy too. Like yeah, he's a yeah. big guy. So he was there. And he's like, actually 6'3". On my ride this morning, he said he that. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, he's a, and he's not like skinny 6'3". He's a unit, right? Yeah. So yeah. And like, I think he, I, he didn't overhear us, but like he knew we knew, mm-hmm. right? And as we were zigzagging, we never got close to him. And, you know, my wife was like losing, you know, she's, she hates traveling, especially when you come home, you know, it's a 10 oh, and yeah. a half hour flight, you know, and then you're in customs and all. It's not fun. No, no, no. And then it was like the highlight of her day. Um, and we still joke about it now, but yeah, she, um, I, I, when, I, when she, you generally rides, you know, if she doesn't run, she, she'll jump on the bike. And I always ask like, how's your ride today? And she's like, yeah, Cody pop ride. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> it's amazing. So. Yeah. I, he's a, uh, yeah, he's enthusiastic and I love it. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, I've never walk away from a ride with him like sad about yeah. the world. So um, he's a, he's my favorite. Um, but it has been great. Like they did their whole like you can pay month to month like and rent uh-huh. it. And like I was like, OK, I can get on board with this. Yeah. But um, I don't do the, like the live rides or I can't get into like no, the I hashtags. And stuff. Like yeah. I'm not trying to be like. I've got enough things going yeah. on. I don't need another group that I'm going to disappoint at this point. <laughs> I'm never going to be dedicated right. as, the per- as the other person probably in that world. So we're just going to go ahead and we're going to self-select out of that. That sounds great. Well, I want to thank you again for coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, get to know you and uh, safe travels. Um, you know, hopefully it's not super cold where you're going to see your daughter, but I think it is actually. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It'll be. Yep. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Um, Great stories. And uh, for people listening, uh, we will see you next episode. And yes, the link to CHF, uh, our goal, $10,000 is in the description. So go donate whatever you want to spend on Starbucks and donate to the kids. See you next episode. Cheers. 
Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.